You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome back into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast here for week five of the NFL season. We did not get through week four unscathed. Two big running backs, three maybe even, I guess technically, big running backs go down with injuries. One for the season, one lands on IR, one's at least missing the next week or two. Javante Williams season ending, torn ACL. Jonathan Taylor dealing with a high ankle sprain, already ruled for out for week five. And Cordero Patterson landing on the IR, going to miss at least four weeks. Yeah, that's the way she goes, man. That's the, the modern NFL isn't like the old one. I mean, our running backs used to get injured, but it used to be the starter would play all the snaps. He gets hurt, the backup plays. That's why back in 2002, 2003, the whole first round was running backs, and then you always drafted the backup. Nowadays, it's not like that. Zero RB, hero RB are things for a specific reason. That's because these guys get hurt. And this is honestly our last week of pure football, week five here, because week six starts the bye weeks. So now is when we start planning for those bye weeks. We're going to do our best to cover that. We have until week 12. Week 12 doesn't have any bye weeks. But so for basically from now until week 12, you're going to have to deal with guys missing games. It's going to get pretty dicey. So let's get into it. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to kick it off here with that Thursday night football game here with the Colts versus the Broncos. How about the timing of that one here, Coop? Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, both being out of this game. Obviously, short week Thursday here. Denver Broncos signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad. I'm a little surprised the Saints were so quick to put Murray back on their practice squad after he ran for 57 yards and a score in that spot play on Sunday morning for Alvin Kamara. But Denver signs him off the practice squad. Mike Boone and Melvin Gordon are expected to be the lead backs in this game against Indy. On the Indy side, Naeem Hines and then... What is it? Is it J- Deion Jackson? Is that what we're looking at for the running back potentially? There with the yeah, and there's an, another interesting wrinkle here. Another interesting narrative is that there's been talk of Philip Lindsay getting called up off the practice squad, but not for his old team, the Broncos. He's on the Colts practice squad, and they might call him up. So kind of interesting. The Col- the Broncos. You can kind of poach guys off the practice squad. They didn't go after Philip Lindsay. They went after Latavius Murray. They might get a revenge game here with Lindsay getting called up. So. A lot of interesting narratives. I know the NFL wanted the narrative to be hey, Williams versus Jonathan Taylor, but instead we're going to get a lot of uncertainty. Should be pretty interesting for fantasy and definitely an opportunity for you to go out in leagues on Sleeper or Yahoo and stash whoever's the cheapest. Maybe if you don't have a great kicker, drop your kicker and throw as many Mike Boone's and Philip Lindsay's and Latavius Murray's on your bench as possible because you get a free shot at it. On those leagues, you your bench doesn't lock. So you can drop your your bench guys that don't play. Say you throw Philip Lindsay on your bench, he doesn't play. You can drop him before the Sunday games, add a kicker back. So a little bit of strategy there. I would make sure I'm doing that as many leagues where that's allowed as possible. Yeah, Philip Lindsay was the first name that jumped to my head when I saw Taylor go down with an injury. But the way the NFL rules are, they don't have to elevate him from their practice squad until the day of. So there was really no indication on which direction they're going to go with that move. So that's something to continue to watch here as we record Wednesday ahead of this Thursday night football game. For Denver, listen, this offense has not looked very good. Russell Wilson in that offense still struggling to really get going. Yes, last week Sutton and Judy both found their way into the end zone again. That's fine. But you, we expect more out of their offenses. This is not going to be an easy matchup for them, though. Colts have a really good secondary, a strong defense. We're going to have to see something come from Denver now that Javante is not there. 
Yeah, here's how I look at this game, right? Sutton played 36 of 36 pass plays. Judy played 35 of 36, right? Nobody else was really playing enough snaps from the wide receiver side from that side. On the cold side, you have Michael Pittman playing pretty much all the snaps, 39 of 42. And then after that, nobody played more than 30. Hey, so, hat tip to you, by the way, on the Paris Campbell yardage prop call that you made over on the, the game day live stream on Better Sports on Sunday. He did indeed catch those deep passes. Yeah. 43 yards. I mean, when the, that's the thing about if you have a guy playing every snap and the oh, the yardage total is 20, that's worth a sprinkle, right? I think he hit 43 or whatever yeah. it is. There, I think he hit it with one. He, one did, he hit it on the first play because it, it wasn't yeah. that many yards. It was only, I think was he like said 20. it was like 36 and a half, right? Or something like that. Or no, it was, it was lower? even lower, dude. Lower, it was yeah. like 20 and change. Yeah. That was one where it was like a, a total why not play. But yeah, the thing is in real fantasy leagues, you can't be starting too many why nots in your lineup unless it's a crazy deep league so i'm not starting paris gambling in any real leagues the big surprise this year has been albert aquibuna played one snap looks like eric saubert is now the starting tight end i mean he ran 31 routes you're not starting him anywhere besides maybe a dfs stab but albert aquibuna you want to talk dartho now you're the tight end whisperer so i'll throw this name to you and you let me know what you think but you know Greg Dolchik is technically allowed to come off IR. Now, because it's the short week, they didn't activate him and start that window for him to have that 21-day practice time yet. But they talked during the preseason how he was maybe challenging Albert O as that starting tight end. He gets hurt. He lands on IR. The way they're playing Albert O right now, would it surprise you if Dolchik all of a sudden comes in and starts really eating into some of those snap counts? These are the situations where you got to do those moves, right? And we look for guys. We When we're looking for guys that aren't like first-round picks, we look for three types of players. I know it's become kind of a meme, but like converted basketball players, converted wide receivers, converted quarterbacks. Look at Logan Thomas. He came in, took over that role just because he was the best athlete. Greg Dulcich, converted wide receiver, went to college as a wide receiver, and they basically said, hey, if you want to make it in this league, you got to bulk up, become a tight end. He did so, but he still has that in him. If you look at him running routes, he looks good. So that's the kind of guy that I'm definitely stashing, especially if you can still sneak him on an IR spot. Yeah, 100% there. So that's the way I'm looking at it. They mentioned, obviously, on the Colts side, no Jonathan Taylor. I think this is going to be a more pass-heavy offense with Matt Ryan. So does that put Mo Alley-Cox, Kylan Granson, Paris Campbell? I mean, we know Michael Pittman, but like guys like that now more in play for you? Alec Pierce, Ashton Doolin? I think Matt Ryan's going to have to throw in this game pretty heavily. Yeah, if you're going to start any wide receiver other than Pittman, it's got to be Paris Campbell. He's playing the most snaps. It's not super exciting, but, I mean, he ran 29 routes. Alec Pierce only ran 17. After that, Doolin only ran, like, 12. So can't trust it. And I go the same way with the tight ends. I mean, it's hard to predict who's going to score the touchdown, who's going to do what, but the routes tell us who's out there playing the most pass plays. Mo Cox played 26. Colin Grant's in 17. Jelani Woods only 11. Even the game where Jelani scored two touchdowns, he only played 16 out of 71 overall snaps. So if you're going to start anybody, got to be Mo right now. Yep. Converted uh, basketball player, right? Yeah, that's where I'm at there as well. Next game kicking off again. We have a, the London game, another London game. We have the Giants against the Packers here. Packers in this one, eight and a half point favorites, 40 and a half game total. Kenny Galladay not making the trip to London. I don't think he's made the trip to MetLife this year, but not making the trip to London for this one. Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson practiced it on a limited basis today. Again, recording here on Wednesday. So that is pretty big news, I think, for the Giants offense because they really have nobody else. It's been Saquon Barkley or Bust basically in that offense. How are we looking at this Packers team, though? Romeo Dubs, clearly the guy now. Christian Watson came back last week. 
barely played. He had that did end around touchdown, but that was about it for his involvement there. Lazard, big day, over 100 yards. Dubs the number two. Should have had a touchdown. Didn't carry the ball all the way to the end zone there. Let the ground break up the pass for him, but clearly should have been a touchdown. You have the two running, two-headed running back attack up against this Giants offense. Yeah, on the Packers side, much more interesting for sure in terms of wide receivers. Like Romeo Dobbs, Alan Zard, they're playing every snap. 70 of 73, both of them. So those guys, to me, are locked and loaded. Alan Lazard, man, say what you want about his ability, whatever. Aaron Rodgers likes him. That's what matters. That's what's always mattered. Like, James Jones was never a good wide receiver, but he caught double-digit touchdown passes in a season wearing a hooded sweatshirt because <laughs> Aaron Rodgers liked him. You know yeah. what I mean? So well, who were we to say, right? Nobody else, none of the other wide receivers are playing a full snap share because they're using a committee of not only tight ends, but also running backs. Like, when you add up the running back snaps, 45 for Aaron Jones, 42 for A.J. Dillon, that's 87 snaps. They only played 73 snaps. So they are getting those guys on the field at the same time as as much as they can. Anytime that happens, you got to discount the third wide receiver. So I can't, I'm not starting anybody, no Christian Watson, no Randall Cobb. I'm not going there with those guys. We know what the running back split is, of course. They split the carries evenly and honestly split the pass work evenly at times as well, right? If you, I mean, In fact, if you add it up, it adds up to 17 carries apiece and 22 pass plays apiece. Aaron Jones is just on the field for a couple extra plays where they handed it to A.J. Dillon. So pretty crazy there. And then on the Giants side, talk about like a nightmare situation for wide receivers. Not only did they lose all those guys already, but Richie James now dealing with an ankle injury. Yeah. So they, whoever is active and playing at a Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson becomes a very interesting dart throw, if you ask me. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, they don't have anybody else. So it's got it's- David Sills, dude. <laughs> David Sills played at like every snap. Darius, Darius Slayton. Slayton Came back from, he, they had relegated him to pretty much purely special teams. And now he is back, baby, like playing 39 or 65 snaps. But none of those guys are enticing compared to the upside of a Kadarius Tony. We've seen, I've seen him have a 180 yard game against the Cowboys. I wasn't dreaming that, right, John? Nope. 186 yards. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. I agree with you there. So again, not much exciting. They're only a 40 and a half game total and going down It opened at 41 and a half. Sorry, dropped the point. It dropped the point and the Packers gained a point in terms of point spread. So look for the Green Bay probably in a blowout there, but gotta love Saquon. Still have to play him, but he's really looking like the real RB this year there. Next game, Chargers Browns. Chargers on the road here. Cleveland getting three 47 and a half game total in this one. Maybe Keenan Allen returns for the Chargers. We finally got the breakout game out of Austin Eckler. Three total touchdowns last week against Houston. Herbert still looked great. Gerald Everett opened that game with a touchdown. Mike Williams bounced back after a tough start. Cleveland side of things, it's really been the Nick Chubb show. And then you got to pick and choose which receiver is the one that ends up having the big day. Last week, Amari Cooper was on milk cartons. I mean, dude, classic, classic Amari Cooper, right, dude? Like, just when you think. Just when you think he's going to be the guy that you think he's going to be, he turns out that he's the same guy he always was, dude. Pulls the rug right out on you, man. But, hey, that's the thing about Amari Cooper. He's always been that way. So if you drafted him, you really can't sit here and be like, oh, my God, no. Like, that's this guy, right? That's his MO, right, John? Yeah, I mean, just the inconsistency. Back-to-back 100-yard games, basically, and then one catch five yards against the Falcons. Classic. Like- Classic, man. Played every snap, dude. Played every snap, basically. Ran every route, essentially. Just disappeared. He probably got... It was A.J. Terrell. He's a great corner. They probably just decided to take him away. And uh, turns out to be a pretty smart move because Falcons won the game, right? Yep. 
pretty much right there. So we'll see what happens if we can get him going. It's not an easy matchup. Chargers secondary is generally decent. We know that they have Derwin James as well. Not sure if this is the week to play David Njoku. So to me, and I've said this last week, I've basically said this every week so far, you can run on this Chargers team. Nick Chubb should get 20 plus carries in this game. Yep. Yep. This is a, a classic Nick Chubb game. And I think Kareem Hunt's going to have a good game too. I think I would start either one of them. Start Nick Chubb everywhere you have him and start Kareem Hunt where you need him. Yeah. Like it, this good is one of the weeks week for, for Kareem Hunt this week. Good, yeah. It's a good week for it because not only that, like this Chargers team forces you to run it and get it out of your hands quick because Khalil Mack's been kind of a menace too. Derwin James himself can get in the backfield. Like they've been, they do this thing where like they put Derwin James on the tight end. And then sometimes if the tight end is clearly blocking, he'll just go. So yeah, just blitz, it, yeah. Yeah, so it get, they're pretty good at that, man. Derwin James, is he might be the best safety in the league. Like, he has to be in the conversation right now. So keep an eye out for that. I'm not starting any of the – I can't start Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's up there for all exercise team. Maybe a DFS play, though, right? Like, uh, if you're doing – yeah, I mean, I don't know. Got to check the price on that. But he has that upside with the targets. He just can't really put it together. Now, on the Chargers side, obviously, we're starting Mike Williams. Do we know what the status on Keenan Allen is? Is he going to play? I don't know the, the status yet. I did see. Let me just update this real quickly. I thought I saw a status earlier today that he was limited, but I will confirm that right now. Yeah. Last I heard is that it wasn't sounding great. Yeah, let's see. Considered day-to-day, -day, this was uh, two days ago, Brandon Staley yeah. said that Allen's hamstring is considered day-to-day, -day, according to Bridget Conda and NFL Network. So, again, we'll have to wait and see on some practice reports um, throughout the week as you get closer and see if he's going to be ready to go. If he doesn't, it does make Gerald Everett more of an appealing option. Mike Williams, obviously. Josh Palmer didn't do too much last week. Austin Eckler, obviously a big day running and receiving. So those are your core guys there for the Chargers. Yeah, Austin Eckler, you know what? It's like, and that's the thing about these small sample sizes. Football is a small sample size game at its heart. If you look at Austin Eckler's game log, I mean, it looks like Austin Eckler, and now he's the RB3 in PPR, right? He gets the receptions when he doesn't run well, and when he does run well, he scores a bunch of touchdowns. Like, that's the MO. Anyone that held you, I hope you held on to him. We were not advising anyone to trade Austin Eckler just because you know what he is, right? He's never run for 1,000 yards. So if you were expecting that this year, I mean, that you're expecting something that's never happened. Right. right. So uh, I'm there with you. Gerald Everett all, like, he is the guy that in my rest of season rankings, people complain about how low he is. But every week in my weekly rankings, whenever Keenan Allen's out, he's high. It's just start him until Keenan Allen gets back, and then it could get dicey. But for the time being, wheels up for that guy. Yep, I agree with you there as well. Next game, kind of interesting just as us as Patriots fans here, but the Detroit Lions going into New England. Patriots are wearing their throwback red flying Elvis uniforms here. New England is a three-point home favorite, which is surprising, Rogers. I think. A 45-and-a-half game total here. We don't know who the quarterback for New England is going to be this week. Jones, Brian Hoyer, Bailey Zappi. Are, Zappi obviously had to come in last week, looked decent against, against Green Bay after Brian Hoyer went down to concussion. Have to imagine Hoyer is not going to be in. We'll see if Mac Jones can come back in two weeks from that high ankle sprain. That feels like a very early timetable. Detroit gave up 40, 48 points last week to Seattle. I think that maybe this is more of a game where Vegas thinks New England's defense can keep them in this more than Detroit's offense can. So I, I don't really know where to go with this one. I guess with New England, you're playing the two running backs, right? That's the key. Exactly. And I think that's what they see. That's what Vegas sees, in my opinion, is they see a good run offense against the Lions, which is a bad defense. Like, 
call it what you want. They let up 48 points last week to the Seahawks. Like, this is a team that can be run on. And then they look at it and say, okay, this is a New England defense that historically has say what you want about the, what they what the results are. They Bill, Bill Belichick is a master at taking away the one thing you want to do most, right? So you saw T.J. Hawkinson last week. They're gonna they're gonna make sure that doesn't happen to them this week, right? So if Amon Ross St. Brown and Swift aren't back, they're gonna have to go elsewhere. I this is one where I think I I would like to bet the under on that forty five point total. Yeah, that I seems think it's pretty be, high. Seems uh, a little high for yeah the Patriots. Patriots want to slow the game down, and the Lions, I don't think, are going to get to have much say in it. So, I'm not uh, sure if you saw the tweet, but FF tweeted out their cornerback grades through the first four weeks of the season uh, in terms of one-on-one coverage. And Jonathan Jones and rookie Jack Jones are one and two in one-on-one coverage per PFF rankings. Darius Slay is third. So they're trying to say the Patriots have maybe the two best man corners in football right now. I don't you, know. You're trying to say that Josh Reynolds and Tom Kennedy aren't going to have monster games? I mean, that's just what that's what the numbers would tend to make you yeah, think. that's so, what they would indicate. So. Uh, Jack Jones, of course, picked six Aaron Rodgers last week. So, again, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, that felt a little suspicious to me to see those two guys up top because the Patriots are one. But it was Mark Andrews that did all the damage two weeks ago against them. It wasn't Bateman, right? So highest graded quarterbacks in single coverage this season. Jonathan Jones, 91.5. Jack Jones, 90.8. The only two above 90. Darius Lee's third at 85.1 per PFF. So yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope Jack Jones went and got that football. <laughs> you Being a rookie, picking off. Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP. I would definitely make sure, like, let me tell you, I'm not spiking that ball. That ball is coming with me back to the bench. Yeah, exactly. So, again, we'll see what happens in this game. The running backs for New England, you certainly play. If Bailey Zappi starts, I mean, again, I know depending on what Patriots beat writer you listen to, they they weren't really high on the kid during preseason. He comes from an offense where he exclusively ran shotgun in college. Western Kentucky only did the shotgun. He threw 64 touchdowns, like 6,000 yards in his final season. This wasn't his career. This was his final season at Western Kentucky. He threw 64 touchdowns and like 6,000 yards. So they put him in the shotgun a lot against Green Bay. He drove them down the field. He had that touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. I don't know. If they decide to run a shotgun offense with Bailey Zabby, because that's all he knows, maybe, maybe they can throw all over this Detroit defense. We just saw Geno Smith do it, for crying out loud. So Could be pretty smart of them to just install a shotgun offense across the board. Mac Jones has the ankle. Just throw him back in there in the shotgun. If, if he can play, just run shotgun. and They were running play-action shotgun run draws with the running backs Harrison yeah. Stevenson, and it looked good. Yeah, the old Big Ben strategy from last year, yeah. just snap him the ball and have him throw it right away. Exactly. And then if it, that way, if it doesn't work, Mac Jones can't, he plays a couple snaps and he realizes he can't play, just run the shotgun yeah, with... It was uh, literally just like a read exactly. option without the threat of the quarterback running. It was just they're either going to hand it off or they're going to throw it, so... Yeah, yeah uh, I don't mind that, dude. Uh-huh. I think that could be the that could be the strategy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Detroit win this game either. You know what I mean? No, neither, no. Good offensive line. Jamal Williams is a good player. Yep. Dick Jared Goff isn't playing phenomenal. Two so. two of the four weeks this season, four touchdown passes. So yeah, we'll are. see what comes of that one. Next game here, Atlanta-Tampa Bay. 48.5 game total. I think it's the second highest on the board. Maybe the highest on the main slate for those playing DFS. 48.5 game total. Tampa Bay is giving nine at home here. Obviously, Tom Brady's personal life. More in the headlines again. The rumors of he and Giselle getting divorced. Didn't seem to matter. Last week, he threw for 380 yards and three scores against Kansas City. The defense obviously let him down there. Got Mike Evans back. Connected with two scores. Chris Godwin came back. 
Got hurt a couple times, was able to still to come back into the game there. Julio Jones a return last week. Cole Beasley retired, so he's not part of it anymore. Biggest development, I think, for fantasy players last week was the involvement of Rashard White. Rushing touchdown and then the involvement in the passing game for him. Fournette's still involved in the passing game, but both of those guys struggled to run the football. I don't know how Atlanta keeps this one close. I don't know how, I don't know if Tom Brady technically gets there because Atlanta's not going to keep it close, but this one should be a pretty easy one for Tampa Bay. Yeah, no Cordero Patterson, like you said. Definitely going to have to sling it. They only threw it 20 times last week. Atlanta did. Kyle Pitts only ran 12 routes. That drives me nuts, man, because the game that they won most soundly was the game where he was most involved. It's like teams know what you're doing. You're not going to be able to get away with that against this Buccaneers. So this is probably the last shot on Kyle Pitts. Like this is a fine matchup for him. They're going to have to throw. I'm starting Kyle Pitts wherever I have him. I'm not going to bench him for this matchup. If he can't do it in this matchup, then I'm pulling the trigger. I'm going away from him. But we, I've seen enough behind the scenes that makes him still very interesting. Obviously, freak athlete, practically Megatron. He lines up at wide receiver like 75% of his snaps or so when he does run routes. And he's his average depth of target is like 14 yards, which is not even – like that's not even the best for a tight end. That's kind of high end for a wide receiver, right? Like the best tight ends we see like 10, 11 yards. Nobody's running 14-yard eight out. I have not had a tight end run a 14-yard eight out in – for a season long in the last five years, right? So he has that upside within him. It's just a matter of Arthur Smith letting him run. On this Falcon side, Tyler Algier, what are your thoughts, John? Like, are you, like, we were gung-ho on start Jamal Williams, start Khalil Herbert. Like, we were in on that situation. Are you feeling that way with Algier? So it's been almost impossible, it seems like, the run on Tampa Bay this year. Right. So I don't know if I want to go that direction. I will say shout out Tyler Algier for last week. I have Alvin Kamara on elite on a team that I, I manage. Got ruled out late. Had nobody I could really play because Ray Mostert played on Thursday already. Scrambling around. Algier was on the waiver wire. Patterson status was questionable. Picked him up. Had to start him regardless of what happened with Patterson. And he goes through and gives me 10 fantasy points. So hat tip to to Tyler Algier there for coming through in the clutch. I don't know if this is going to be the week, though. Well, maybe moving forward. We also have to be on Damian Williams' watch. He's eligible to return from IR, I think, next week. And if he's good to go, like, he could just immediately pop in to be the lead back there. So I saw the kid Caleb Huntley got some run. Yeah, he did. He played Uh, 22% of the snaps I saw, but he got, like, an entire series, basically, where they did nothing but run the football, and he scored a touchdown. Right, yeah. So can't really bank on them doing that again. I mean, the old dude, the only player in the league that can run on Tampa Bay's defense is Khalil Herbert, right? Like, nobody else. Is he, has anyone else put out a 100-yard game against this defense in the last couple of years besides Khalil Herbert? Doesn't seem like it. I, I mean, like, so the, the first one. couple of weeks of the year, Zeke Elliott and I'm blanking on this team, the team they played in week two, their running backs averaged five yards a carry against them. But the game script was negative for the running game. So they didn't really right. get much volume. But then against Green Bay, they shut down Jones and Dylan. So, I mean, like, that's just what right. it is. So, yeah, not going to go Algieri there. Again, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Doesn't I don't think I don't think Atlanta is going to be overly competitive. So uh, Buck side, pretty easy, right? Yeah. Chris Godwin in, Mike Evans in, Leonard Fournette in, Rashad White played a decent amount of snaps. What are your thoughts on Speculative, him? Speculative, uh, like, like if you have to play him, you, you put him in your lineup. But I don't think I can't go into this week trusting that we're gonna get the same type. Because here's the thing, Tampa Bay was down like three scores that entire game, right? Yeah, they were. It was garbo time. 
not only that, but they had to throw so much, and that's where White's value came. Five for 50. He had the rushing touchdown, but he didn't get a lot of carries. He only had three. If Tampa Bay doesn't have to play from behind as much, like Leonard Fournette could just get 18, 20 carries in this game. Yeah, I will say that we'll leave it at promise for you that grabbed him in, in Dynasty. It's a promising sign because we never even saw Keyshawn Vaughn play like this many snaps. So just to get... The, that number still hasn't for played this many snaps. He's always, still Overall. has played. Yeah, yeah, maybe total, right? So it was nice for him. Though I will say, the one thing that you worry about, Rashad White let Tom Brady get hit. According to PFF, pass block grade of 22, not good. Let uh, let the big man get take a hit, which uh, that, that gets you right back in the doghouse. Was that know? the play he fumbled on, too? He got strip-sacked. So it might have been that play. Something to watch. It, no, because it wasn't considered a sack. So okay. that one wasn't on him. That one wasn't on him. It was a hit, though, but it was uh, he got the ball. Okay. All right, Seattle, New Orleans here. Saints are five-and-a-half-point home favorites, 45-and-a-half game total here. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be for New Orleans yet. Obviously, Jamin Swinson didn't play last week. Andy Dalton stepped in. Looked okay. Completed 70-plus percent of his passes. If not for a fumble in this game, he would have had almost 17 fantasy points. Chris Olave scored a touchdown, but that was about it for that Saints offense. Not a lot going on for them there. Latavius Murray had a rushing touchdown, but he's not even on the team anymore. So we'll see if Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas returned for them or not. Seattle, we know their defense isn't very good. But I guess Geno Smith is very good because, once again, I know the opponent last week wasn't great, but another week of 70-plus percent completion percentage. Another good week for Tyler Lockett, a monster week for DK Metcalf, Rashard Penny broke the slate as a chalk play in DFS. I mean, I thought Seattle was just going to try to suck this year and lose every game and get a good quarterback. I, I don't know. They're 2-2 two and two now. They're almost not gonna, They're almost taking themselves out of the running for a top quarterback in the first top picks. Yeah, I mean, NFC player of the week, Geno Smith. So, I mean, what can you really say? I'm happy for him. I love seeing him, guys like Jared Goff, guys that have kept their heads down. They're not punks. And uh, they're getting another shot, and it's working out. I love seeing that. So kudos to him. Uh, there are spots where I'm starting Geno Smith. Definitely two QB leagues. I've got him in a few of those, and I'm considering him in one QB leagues. Once where I have Carson Wentz. I mean, would you start Carson Wentz or Geno Smith? This week, Carson Wentz. Home against Tennessee, I would start Carson Wentz. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a good matchup. Geno's going to have to hang tight on my bench then in that league. But, I will say this, yeah. and this is a good note for DFS potentially. It opened at a 43. It's up to 45 and a half. People are expecting points in this game. Yeah, that's yeah, no question about that. So this is going to be a this is going to be a big dog at least. So I, and on the Saints side, I don't I just don't know what kind of a back spine injury is one where you just take one week off and you're fine. Like what is this injury? Well, he had the broken rib, the fractured spine. He played a week. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the travel on the plane to London was too much. I don't know. Definitely something to monitor. But it does change who's being targeted. Like Adam Trotman. Only ran 10 routes, but he was getting targeted more often than Juwan Johnson. And it makes certain guys, like, look at uh, Cooper Rush with Noah Brown. You get a rapport with guys in practice, then you get thrown in the spotlight, and you have a couple timing plays with certain guys, and they work out. So it changes who the go-to guys are. Alave is the one I trust. Marcus Callaway played a ton of snaps, but I think I would, if I'm going to start anybody off that group, it'd be Alave or Jarvis Landry. Can't really trust anybody else. Yeah, we'll uh, see if Michael Thomas comes back or not in this game. We'll see if Alvin Kamara comes back. Big question marks on the Saints side. At least Seattle, we kind of know where to go. I guess my question is like, is Will Disley viable or is Will Disley just the right man at the right time catching all these touchdowns? It's the, yeah, it's the, 
classic Russell Wilson where he could throw a touchdown to anybody because he moves around a ton. But like you're starting Lockett, you're starting Metcalf, you're starting Rashad Penny. Will Disley only ran 21 of 35 routes. Noah Fant still is kind of a thorn in his side, and he only has 12 targets on the season. Three touchdowns is what's propping him up, but 12 targets in four games is that's less than what Robert Tunyon was getting in that year where he had like 59 targets and 11 touchdowns. So maybe in standard, definitely in best ball, probably in DFS. But if you're in a PPR or half PPR league, relying on that dude is a dangerous game. If you have no one else starting right now, but consider yourself in need of a tight end. Yeah, I'm with you there. Next week will be interesting for some with Hawkinson and other teams. The tight ends on buys and tight end is already a shallow position this year. The waiver wire could be thin. Will Disley could be a guy you have to pick up and start next week. So we'll see how that goes. I'll get in front of that now. If you have Hawkinson, because Darren Waller also has a bye week next week. So if you are the, the Hawkinson or the Waller owner, I would get in, on top of getting somebody for next week now because you're not going to be the only one trying to find somebody on waivers. It's going to be a competition. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%. Next game here, one, one of my favorites on paper, I guess, Houston versus Jacksonville. I think this one should be good for fantasy, but Vegas is leaning me the other way, which is where I am worried. Jacksonville is a seven-point home favorite. It's a 43-and-a-half game total that opened at 44. I like Trevor Lawrence this week. I like Christian Kirk this week. I like James Robinson this week. If Zay Jones, like, I love this Jacksonville offense, but 43 and a half and going down worries me about the total points in this game. If there's going to be enough fantasy points to go around in this one. Yeah, that's not ideal. You want to see it a little better. And it looks like they probably think that Jacksonville just has the game in hand. Trevor Lawrence last week, I'd throw that game out the window to a certain degree. It was like hurricane conditions, young quarterback fumbles four times. I mean... That against happens, one but... of the best defenses in football in Philadelphia. Exactly. Kind of a nightmare situation for him. So I'm not super worried about that. But for me, you got to start Christian Kirk every week. He even, he, he, dude, it looked pretty ugly. I think he had five, maybe six targets before he actually caught one of them. Yeah. But, you know, they just kept going to him. That's what you want to see. So any word on Zay Jones, if he's going to play? Uh, I haven't seen it again. I actually rostered him in a couple teams. I haven't seen a full update on his availability yet there hasn't um, been one there hasn't been one uh, he said all we've seen is that he might be as of monday play. doug peterson said i think he'll be ready to go okay so that kind of takes marvin jones off apparently the table. he was expected to play sunday but given the weather they ruled him out jamal agnew played 18 of 47 snaps so if you were planning on trying to trust yeah can't trust that dude no chance he's more of a kick they signed him to return kicks and punts which is very valuable but they didn't sign him to do what he did last week. That was a special occasion where apparently he's the only dude ready to play in the ring. Last week when they had nothing else going on, Jamal Agnew was actually a decent fantasy guy, but oh, yeah. different last roster week. this year. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If guys get hurt, then he steps up. I think that's what he is. You know what I mean? Like a Jakeem Grant type guy yeah. that DeAndre Carter for the Chargers when he stepped up a little bit, but ideally that's the special teams guy. If, so. if you're picking a Travis ATN week, it could be this week, given what Austin Eckler just did. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for that profile clearly works against the Texans. So ETN and James Robinson, probably decent starts this week against this team. On the Houston side, starting Brandon Cooks, where you're committed to him, and then Damian Pierce, potentially. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. I mean... Hey, Miles Sanders Rex- had a good game last week against Jacksonville, so... Right. You know, Rex Burkhead didn't get a carry. He scored a touchdown on a pass play, but yeah. can't go for those guys. So it's really just Brandon Cooks, yep. honestly. And Damian Pierce. I agree with you. Next game, Pittsburgh-Buffalo. Buffalo is a 14-point favorite at home, 46.5 total here. Kenny Pickett, 
now the quarterback in Pittsburgh threw a couple of picks last week, but not really his fault if you saw the highlights on some of the one of them, Chase Claypool got beat to a ball by a five nine cornerback. Claypool standing like six five. Doesn't really make sense how how he lost that jump ball. But again, not was that the first matchup. one or the later one? I think it was the first one. So the first one I think if that was the Claypool one, he jumped up, didn't high point the ball, and hit his shoulder pads, bounced off to not even the corner that was covering him. So the first one was I didn't put the first one on Kenny Pickett. Some of the other ones were a little bad, but that one was just like, you can't let the ball hit your shoulder pads if you're right. trying to catch a deep ball. That's the first thing they teach you. That's day one stuff. But, I mean, I don't really want anybody in Pittsburgh here. I guess you probably have to play Deontay. You have to play Najee Harris. George Pickens had a good game last week. But, again, Buffalo's defense is just so good. They're at home, like 14-point home favorites. I just don't know what Pittsburgh's going to be able to get going here. This is going to be a whooping, for sure. Like, I... I'm not definitely can't start any of the quarterbacks, even in Superflex. And yeah, I mean, Briar Muth is, has a bad matchup with Matt Milano. It's a great coverage linebacker, and he kind of neutralized Mark Andrews last week. So, not really trying to get Friar Muth in that mix in this game either. So, it's all Buffalo side. On Buffalo, Devin Singletary, what a surprise. This guy is leading the league in routes run yeah. for a running back. Who would have guessed? I mean, listen, I was high on Devin Singletary. I talked him up all offseason, but it wasn't for this reason. So, I know, like, I know. I'm right, but I'm, like, not right. That's fine. I'll take as it. As I right, told man. you to draft them. The points are there regardless. Yeah, this, you're welcome. This league is crazy enough, dude. It's like he's the op, he's the bizarro Cordero Patterson, where with Cordero Patterson, we're like, hey, yeah, like, maybe he'll line up at wide receiver a bit, he'll catch some passes. He's catching no passes but getting like 22 carries a game so you know what i'll take the points however we can get them right yep for sure this may be a game where they actually run the football with him though if they're one pittsburgh another very trash run defense and if buffalo's gonna be up two three scores here they're not gonna be throwing to singletary they're just gonna run the football with him so i like it miami versus the jets here Tua Tungvaluwa already ruled out so Teddy Bridgewater in at quarterback zach wilson quarterbacking the jets here last week one of my favorite plays was Brees hall Came through, big day for him, and a touchdown. I don't know if really this is a spot. I know it's only a three-point spread. Miami's defense has been pretty good, though. So, like, I don't know I don't know if the Jets are in for this one. The fact that they're home, maybe I guess they get a little bit of an edge. But uh, I like more of the Miami side in this game. Yeah, I mean, we might have seen a little bit of changing of the guard here. Because if you look at certain backfields, and sometimes it's like, oh, here's the rundown guy. Here's the pass-down guy. This past week, Brees Hall got... 17 carries to nine for Michael Carter, and he played 29 pass plays to only 18 for Michael Carter. I think it could be Brees Hall time. You know what I mean? So I love the Brees Hall start. I'm getting him in some lineups and finally at this point. Elijah Moore is the guy you want. If you had to pick one of these guys, it's Elijah Moore. He's playing the most snaps, running the most routes. Garrett Wilson, probably next most interesting. Corey Davis is like just kind of a that guy. And then Tyler Conklin continues to do be the most boring option out there this potentially this year's dalton schultz though but the volume stays up but you know he's not running high a dot routes he blocks on a ton of pass plays doesn't line up wide receiver just not super exciting to me on the miami side i don't think i'm really treating anybody too differently with bridgewater versus tua i don't know about you john i mean yeah listen we don't think tua is much of a downfield guy and bridgewater is an accurate passer we talked about this when he went to denver right like Bridgewater supported 2,000-yard wide receivers in Carolina in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, right? So it's not as if he's incapable of getting the football to receivers that make their own plays, right? And that's what Waddle 
and and Tyreek Hill can do. Bridgewater gets in the football and five, ten yards off the line, and then those guys use their speed and talent to make bigger plays happen. And it's a Jets secondary, so I'm in on that. I also like the running backs here. I know Edmonds, frustratingly, has actually been getting the guy in the red zone work. We kind of thought it would be flipped where Mostert would be somebody getting a lot of that red zone work, and Edmonds would be between the 20s. Mostert's been their leading running back, really, and Edmonds, but though, has been coming in these red zone sets. You play both running backs this week, though. I think they're both flex plays. Yep. I think this is the perfect time for it, especially backup quarterback, lean on the run a little bit, for sure. The one guy I'm really, I mean, it's like in the passing game, you start Waddle, you start Hill, can't start Kaseki. So, like, outside of Waddle and Hill, I'm not starting anybody. No, not Sherfield, not anybody. Because the, the real issue is Sherfield, he splits with Gusecki in the slot, and then Durham Smythe plays tight end, but Durham Smythe isn't a good pass-catching tight end. So he kind of just – and then there's Alec Ingold play, coming in to play 21 snaps at fullback. It just crushes everyone's ceiling. So can't really touch any of those guys, but makes it easier to consolidate the targets among the guys that we like at the top. Hill and- yep, 100%. Next game, Tennessee versus Washington, 42.5 game total here. This one is kind of fluctuated, though. If you look at the line movement trends, it's gone up as high as 43.5. It's opened at 42. So Vegas and the betters can't really decide where they want the total to go. Washington is a 2.5 point home underdog in this one. For Tennessee, we're not going to see Traylon Brooks in this game. He's dealing with turf toe. I think he's already been... If he's not hasn't been ruled out officially, I think the, work, the kind of expectations are that he isn't going to play this week. Derrick Henry has been really good these last two weeks, but more importantly, they're throwing to Derrick Henry again, Coop. Yeah, I saw that. It's, I mean, that that could create the most dangerous man, right? Like, he obviously is amazing on the ground. Like, he's the most fun to watch because the stiff arms and the truck sticks and all that. But if he starts catching the ball, five targets, five targets, man. If he gets three or four targets a week, now he's all of a sudden an easy top five type back. So as long as he stays healthy, man, he is he's a beast. And yeah, I mean, outside, so Robert Wood's interesting, but if Burks isn't a go, are you going to try and take a stab, even in DFS, on like a Nick Westbrook-Akine or a, I mean, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, so I think Nick Westbrook-Akine is an interesting guy to look at yeah. here. I know Kyle Phillips got some of the early camp hype in week one. I think he actually had some looks there as well. But I mean, I think Westbrook-Akine is probably the guy that steps up. Yep. obviously, and he has that chemistry with Tannehill. So that's definitely one to look at. I don't want too much exposure, I feel like, to the Tennessee passing offense. I think I just want to get Derrick Henry in my lineups where I can this week. Obviously, I'm talking for seasonal. You play him anyways in DFS. I think he's a pretty good option. For the Washington side, Jahan Dodson's not expected to play again based off reports. He injured his hamstring. Rivera said they think it's going to cost him a week or two, so we'll have to continue to monitor to that as we go up to roster lock, but we know how bad Tennessee's defense has been. Carson Wentz against bad defenses earlier this year was throwing up 30 fantasy point games. The last two weeks, he's faced Philly and he's faced Dallas, and they've just destroyed Washington. Wentz has struggled, so this is kind of a little bit of a reprieve for him against a softer Tennessee matchup for him. I like McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, all of those guys, I think, actually get boosted if Jahan Dotson isn't in the lineup. We've been waiting for this to happen, really, because it's been that's been the case. It's like Curtis Samuel's been getting his Curtis Samuel's going to get his targets, but you can only give him so many targets, and he can only do so much with them, right? Like he's such a low A dot gadgety type guy. Like he'll get a couple carries, get a bunch of short targets, but how many targets does this fella need to get to crack a hundred yards, John? What do you think it? What do you think it would need to be? Because so far he's gotten what? Like you know, he's had a game with eleven targets, another game with ten targets, and the most he's had is seventy-eight yards. Like, 
he's not really busting him loose. At some point he might, and then he's going to look really appealing. But for now, it's like you're getting these games where he gets 10 targets, 48 yards receiving. Seven targets, 30. You know what he didn't do last week, Coop, was get a carry. And we yeah, talked which, about that. We talked about that know, on the know, live stream. His rushing prop was nine and a half yards. And I was like, I would feel silly taking a rushing yard prop on a wide receiver and then him not get any carries. And that right. is exactly what happened. Yeah. I didn't. So you're exonerated. I didn't. You're take exonerated it on that. I did not take it for that reason. I was too worried about it. And he did. He ended up not running the football. So right. now, I, I don't know if that happens two weeks in a row. Tennessee feels like an offense where they may give him some extra touches there out of the backfield. So full, so yeah, so I made full PPR, Curtis Samuel in your lineup, Yep. right? In half PPR, see what else you have. He's still a good dude. 10 targets is 10 targets, right? So he's still a good option in that format too. And then Terry McLaurin, you're starting. Logan Thomas, he's been creeping up, coming back from the ACL. First game, 57% route participation, then to 61, then to 62. This week, 70. If you remember correctly, last year, first three games, he had a 100% route participation. In this game right here with no... John Dotson, I could see Logan Thomas and finally being like, you know what? Let's unleash the beast, right? If he played 55 of 74 snaps last week, he's ready to play a full game, in my opinion. 34 or 47 routes. I think this could be the game where he gets back to that kind of usage. I'm going to have him probably higher than most in my weekly rankings just because it's a pretty decent matchup for him. And it's an opportunity to use him where some other guys might not have great matchups. Like for me, as crazy as it sounds, I would consider Logan Thomas over David Njoku just because Njoku has arguably one of the worst matchups he's going to have. So think about that. Logan Thomas, he might be there on your waivers. If you've been struggling to find a guy, this could be a good plug and play for him. Yep, I agree with you. And the running back situation for Washington, the clock has started on Brian Robinson. We'll see if he's actually active for week five or not. Come start time in this one, one o'clock roster lock for this game. But obviously now a hit to Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick is going to keep his role there, but we'll see if Brian Robinson can return or not this week. If not this week, probably next week for Washington. Chicago, Minnesota. Minnesota is a seven-point home favorite, 43-and-a-half game total here. Signs of life from Darnell Mooney last week, not so much from Cole Komet. Herbert kind of let everybody down, though it was kind of expected, I think, given sort of the weather issues there, field still unstartable. I think that's a good way to talk about the Chicago Bears offense. Yeah, it really isn't. This is the crazy part about it, is that the offense, even though they only threw 22 passes, like you saw what was possible. Like you saw that even Cole Komet caught three of three passes, that's more production by far than he's had all year. And he's out there. He played 61 of 62 snaps, 32 of 36 pass plays. In a real offense with a real quarterback, like that usage would be towards the top of the league, right? It's just a, the anemic offense. And the even crazier, like the stat that I was looking at is that like of the quarterbacks, right? The vast majority of quarterbacks, as you would expect, throw the ball on 90% of their dropbacks. That doesn't even sound like it should be a stat because you drop back and then you throw it, right? That's how football works. So most quarterbacks, they drop back and throw it on 90%. The other 10% are sacks and obvious throwaways, right? Obvious throwaways, we don't count as targets or attempts or anything like that with the high-end stat places like PFF. If you look at the mobile quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, those guys are somewhere in 80% or so because they're scrambling. So you got to add the scrambles on top of the throwaways and the sacks. Justin Fields is only throwing an actual pass that counts as an attempt on 67% of his dropbacks. So, so many of these dropbacks are ending in sacks and scrambles and just like non-targets. He's not even anywhere in the realm of real quarterbacks. Like this week, for instance, he dropped back 36 times and only 22 of them counted as pass plays. So Cole Komet 
ran 32 routes and there were only 22 passes. It's like just such a non-offense. That's why you can't trust anybody. But we got a glimpse of what it looks like just when they have 22 attempts. Imagine if if these guys were in a Joe Flacco offense that was having a 40 or 50 attempts. It'd be a totally different world. So that's why we were on these guys in the offseason, and that's what makes them so scary now. Yeah, I agree with you there. The Minnesota side of things, again, we know this is pretty straightforward. You play Dalvin Cook, you play Justin Jefferson, you play Adam Thielen. Thank you, Kevin O'Connell, for having an offense that just is very straightforward. Refreshing, man. And I was scared with the new coach because it's always been like that with this team, right? It was like the high target share, high snap share guys, and it was nice and easy. I'm just glad it's back to normal. Adam Thielen's looked pretty good recently. Obviously, he's not going to, at his age, bust out crazy yak. He might have a big touchdown at some point, but... I mean, seven, eight, nine targets last three games. He's at least a coin flip to score a touchdown any given week. Pretty solid guy to have in your lineup, especially in a half PPR lineup. So feel yep. good about it. I agree with you. Next game, San Francisco versus Carolina. Carolina, a six and a half point home underdog. A 38 and a half game total here. By all metrics, Coop, Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in football. But he did finally connect with DJ Moore a little bit last week. Christian McCaffrey had his best patch catching game of the season. Can they get that done against San Francisco? Probably not after what we just saw them do to the Rams. So Carolina, you got to play, obviously, Christian McCaffrey. But I think that's it. I don't think you have to play DJ Moore this week. Yep, that's why you're the quarterback guy, John. You got the eye test, dude. You got an eye for him. And Baker just doesn't really have it, man. He doesn't have that extra. Maybe he could be a guy that you drag to a Super Bowl. But, I mean, not even. even, (laughs) even. And this match, I mean, the San Francisco defense has looked rowdy. They've looked good, man. There's a couple defenses this year. San Francisco's won. Philly's won. Even the Cowboys at times. Teams that I just, it scares me for fantasy. Anytime a guy's going up against them. So pretty scared for pretty much anybody except McCaffrey. DJ Moore, start him if you have to, right? If you have to. I don't know. I mean, DJ Moore's outside the top 25 receivers this week. Has to be, right? Like, yeah. This team, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, what are they doing at tight end? Why did they re-sign Ian Thomas? Like, what are they? What is going on, man? Giovanni Ricci playing the most snaps, twenty-five snaps for Giovanni. They should have kept Darren Arnold. Seriously though, they really <laughs> should have, dude. Tommy Tremble at twenty-three snaps. Ian Thomas sixteen. Like, these guys aren't even playing. It's just like I can't believe. Like, when you have a spot open up like that, and you can go somewhere else, I just can't believe they were like, "This is the guy." We're bringing him back, which is crazy to me. George Kittle is back playing for on the other side of the ball. George Kittle played 47 of 50 snaps there. People say that he's blocking too much, but he only blocked on three pass plays in both the first two games. I think this is a get right game for Mr. Kittle. I know he's trying to help out with the loss of Trent Williams, but I can, I'm starting Kittle where I have him. This week. Last week, I had him ranked below TJ Hawkinson, a couple guys, just because of the matchups. Like Hawkinson had the matchup. Everett had the matchup. This week, I'm moving Kittle back up. The haters are going to have to eat it. I think this is a good bounce back game for him. And then, of course, you're starting Debo. You're starting Jeff Wilson. Ayuk is a if you must guy. Or where you? how do you feel about Ayuk? Yeah, I'm with you there. Until we see more consistency with that with that passing offense with Garoppolo outside yeah. of just like Kittle and Debo, then it's Kittle, Debo, and Jeff Wilson. That's where I'm playing. Yep. Okay. I, Brandon Ayuk is behind the glass. The, just like John had to start Tyler Algier because of a last-minute scratch at 9 in the morning Eastern time 
Brandon Ayuk is behind that glass. Break it in case of emergency. You know, we talked about this last year, and you were on it with your uh, Vegas yardage trends when it came to the receivers, and Ayuk was projected for what he was, even though Debo was after him in ADP, and we kind of broke it down, and we're like, Ayuk was only productive two years ago when Kittle and Samuel were out of the lineup, right? They were hurt. Ayuk broke through. Last year, he had some moments there, but like, again, there was some inconsistency with how that offense was being used. So again, he just feels like a guy that needs certain things to for him to be an impact player. Dallas versus the Rams. Rams are a five and a half point home favorite, 43 and a half game total. Do the Rams deserve to be a five and a half point home favorite? I know Cooper Rush is the quarterback, and that's probably maybe the reason why if Dak Prescott was a quarterback, maybe Dallas would be a home road favorite on this one, but... The Rams' offense hasn't looked great. Matt Stafford hasn't thrown a touchdown in two weeks. I mean, their defense hasn't looked really good. Jalen Ramsey is getting burned routinely. Like, I don't know. I feel like Dallas might have this one. Vegas is crazy, man. Because Vegas had the 49ers over the Rams last they did. week. And, and, we, they, and, and we, we all said, we, we don't trust it. Yeah. Like, you and me at this point, we have welcomed our Las Vegas overlords, right? Like, I at this point, we've seen it too many times where it's like, if Vegas is saying it and it's that definitive, then there's probably some smoke there. You know what I mean? It's not that often that they're that far off. Right? They've made, they made money on every single Super Bowl except for one, and that was when the undefeated Patriots lost to the Giants, which nobody had. So, like, those guys, they know how to cap them. And then if they say the Rams win by five and a half, the Rams are probably going to win. So I treat it that way, and I'm starting guys with that in mind. Now, I'm not sure that changes much outside of, like, Cam Akers versus I think you still only play Cooper Cooper and Higby here. Yeah, I mean, dude, Allen Robinson is. You can't play Allen Robinson. You can't play him. Absolutely cannot. 73 of 74 snaps, 56 of 57 passes. Yeah, all workout team. All workout mega star. All, all workout Hall of Fame. Maybe all time best performance. Like I don't know what's going on. And the thing is, on the one catch he had there, it's pretty kind of a nice move. Kind of a nice move he put on that cornerback. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe Stafford's just a rhythm guy, and you have to be in his corner fully to get those targets. But what um, I worry about here is that the pass rush for Dallas is going to be on him so quickly that he's only throwing to cut or Skoranek because they're next to the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah. Right. Alan Robinson looks smaller than I remember in the Rams uniform too. I don't know what's up with that, but I don't know. Can't be, cannot be trusted. Nope. Cannot be trusted. Now on the Cowboys side. Gallup you know, return plays 60% of the snaps. Yeah. Caught a touchdown, right? Yeah. I think we're going to see the transition into the Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb era. Noah Brown, thank you for your service, but probably going to fall to the wayside. Dalton Schultz played 55 of 61 snaps, so played pretty much the whole game. He might be asked to stay in a block a little bit. Last week, he was asked to stay in a decent amount. Five of 30 pass snaps isn't the end of the world, but start Dalton Schultz with, with some caution. I mean, he's dealing with a PCL, which is what slowed Zeke down last year. If you need to start him, if you have a better matchup, get him in there. And then, of course, Zeke and Pollard, you know the drill with those guys, like if you need them or not. I'm probably starting Zeke where I have him just because he plays more snaps. He plays the goal line snaps. But Pollard has his place, obviously, in that offense now, and it's the, the more even split that we've ever seen. Yeah, and in DFS this week on DraftKings, Pollard's only $100 less than Elliott. Yeah, in that case, I'm starting Elliott. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you there. Philadelphia, Arizona, high a 48.5 game total on this one. Cardinals are getting 5.5 points at I mean, we've talked a lot about how good Philly has looked. Our boy Miles Sanders is even scoring touchdowns this year. I'll give them a little bit of a pass last week because of all the rain, but going into the desert, going into a dome, playing on turf, Philly in this one to me is you play the guys you normally play, right? Sanders, Smith, 
Brown, Goddard, all of those guys are, are locking loads this week. God, if any dude, if anything were to obviously not rooting for it, not like knock on wood, if anything were to happen to Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew was a quarterback, Miles Sanders would be a star. Like he he's been carrying the water up and down the field. He finally scored last week, but just imagine those touchdowns were his instead of Jalen Hurts, right? Because that's I mean, well, this Kenneth is a good. Well, had a rushing touchdown last week, so I mean, like they still, for whatever reason, they don't give. They don't always turn to Miles Sanders in those red zones. The crazy thing is, like, I so I looked at this last year, and Gainwell is just like maybe it's because the way the defense plays him, but he scores those touchdowns from like he's they don't even put him in like the red zone. He's scoring from like 10 yards out. Last year, he's scoring like he had three red zone touchdowns, none of them were within the 10 yard line. Like, he's just scoring like 15 yard touchdowns. The one this week was another one where it was like. Where is it? He ran it right up the middle on them too. Like they, it wasn't like anything crazy. Yeah, they're just not maybe not expecting it. I don't know what is going on with that, but like this guy, dude, like he just has a nose for it. And if he gets a full time job somewhere, or at least more of like a, ha- a sharing a job, very becomes very interesting to me. I think. Like, yep, I agree with you. Uh, Ar- good player. Arizona's side of things, it's not going to be easy for them. Obviously, we've talked about how good Philly's defense is. Darius Slay is going to be on Hollywood Brown for a lot of this game. Maybe Dorch comes through. Rondell Moore did return last week. Didn't get much going. James Conner struggled to run the football. Zach Ertz, maybe, in a little revenge game. Kyler finally ran for a touchdown last week. We've been calling for his him to be a little bit more mobility. Maybe a matchup against Hertz will make Kyler run more, seeing the other quarterback run up and down the field. So I'm curious to see what, how Arizona looks this week. One more week away from having Hopkins come back in week seven. Yeah, I will say that we were concerned for Dorch that Rondell Moore would take his job back, and that did happen to a certain degree. 65 snaps for Rondell Moore, only 27 for Greg Dorch. They didn't look at him all, though. They turned, yeah. I know they didn't look at Moore much, right? But they did kind of turn to Dorch and say, your watch is over. So this team also kind of quietly uses a ton of tight ends. People don't realize it because they don't throw to them. They only use them on, like, run plays. But Trey McBride, 32 snaps. Max Williams, 23 snaps. That's 55 snaps from secondary tight ends. Obviously, Zach Ertz plays like every snap. So that's kind of going to eat up any opportunity that you were going to get from a third wide receiver. So for me, I'm starting Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. Marquise Brown, I'm starting, but he's got a tough matchup. Rondell Moore, I'm using him where I need him. I'm obviously starting Zach Ertz. Can't go away from Ertz right now. And then I'm not really, I'm like, can't start Dorch. Can't start any of those other guys. If you have to drop Dorch, I would say go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you on that one as well. Cincinnati versus Baltimore, Sunday night football game here. Should be a pretty good one. Another offense where at least we know where the ball is going. I guess with Baltimore, we got to figure out what's going to go on with Rashad Bateman. Yeah, so he's got the mid-foot injury. It's like, as a fantasy owner, it's such a like roller coaster of emotions being like, oh, he didn't do anything. And then you're like, why didn't he do anything? And then the coach says he doesn't know. And I'm like, oh my God, does this guy just suck? And then there's a moment where you you hear about the injury and you're almost relieved. And you're like, oh, he didn't play because he's hurt. And then you realize, oh, he's hurt. So it's like, that's the roller coaster we go through as fantasy gamers. But with these mid-foot injuries, we need more detail. Is it a Liz Frank? Is it a, is it a turf toe? Is it, what's going on here? So I'm waiting for more news on that. But I mean... One, one, quick, hey, he's been one playing. quick injury update from something we mentioned earlier. Again, the benefits of recording, I guess, in the middle of the day. Sometimes you get news updates. Like Keenan Allen did not practice Wednesday. So yeah. we'll see if that his status continues as we head towards the weekend. Yeah, yeesh. I mean, got to make other plans right now. And I'd make other plans for Bateman, too, because honestly, he hasn't been playing that great either. I got another update that I should have shared, but Mac Jones is practicing as if he wants to play today. So 
this week. So it's kind of interesting there with him as well. But yeah, keep an eye on Bateman. If he's a full go, then could be a decent start. But this is going to be should be a high scoring game, right? Over under where is it, John? Like 48, 49, somewhere in there. Yeah, it is 48 and a half. Yeah. So it should be an interesting game. It should be a good spot. I mean, Mark Andrews start him every week. Now, if Bateman can't go, I think Devin Duvernay obviously becomes interesting. Yeah. Right. Maybe Demarcus Robinson in a showdown slate. If you're doing a, a he played the most once Bateman kind of fell to the wayside. Maybe sneaking Isaiah likely in there if you're trying to get cute. But beyond that. I'm not starting like a Tylen Wallace or a James Proch. There's just no, that's getting a little too crazy. I agree. Dobbins, two touchdowns last week. That's a good sight to see for him. Oh, yeah. He looked good. Uh, He looked real good. Get him back going. Cincinnati, I tweeted this out yesterday, Coop. I don't know if you saw it or not. Joe Mixon is the second most carries inside the five-yard line this year. He has zero touchdowns. He's the only running back ranked among the top seven in carries inside the five without a score yet. I did see that tweet. I tried to just like men in black it out of my mind because I have so too much mixing. So thank you for repeating that one. He and he's looked bad. So as good as Dobbins looked last week, uh, Joe Mixon's looked as bad. And the stats behind it have been bad. Like no, he's got some of the worst yards after contact stats. I think he's dealing with a bit of an ankle. But the thing is, when a guy's playing fifty three of sixty four snaps, you I mean. What are you going to do? Punish him? Throw it to him, which is nice. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's like, what are you going to do? Punish him by moving him to the flex in your lineup? Like, just, you just start him, dude. I get, hey, you know what? If you want to punish Joe Mixon, he's playing Sunday night. Move him to the flex because he's the later game, right? But I mean, you're going to start him. So there's not much we can do. If you want to trade him, just make sure you're getting back a stud because there's a clear drop off now. And even Leonard Fournette now not playing every snap might not be in that top group. It's like, where are you going to go? Right. DeAndre Swift is banged up. But you can't go downward because all those guys are question marks, right? And then if you're trying to go upward, you got to pay to get package him to get Chubb, who's splitting still, even though he's amazing. Like, I think you just ride it out with Mixon. I I made that tweet out mostly because I'm saying, like, look at the opportunities are there. He's getting those carries. So, like, at some point, he's going to push through. He just has to, right? Like, he has to start scoring. I don't know. They're not going to give it to Samaj P. Ryan. No, or Chris no. Avery. Those guys aren't getting goal line runs. No. He'll eventually score a touchdown or two if he's going to get that kind of inside the five carry volume. So, Yeah, agreed. And then you start Tyler Boyd. You can't start Hayden Hurst. He only played 32 of 64 snaps, exactly 50%. Just yeah, not I mean, you play Boyd in, if you are in a D- three-wide receiver league or something like that, for sure. And obviously Higgins and Chase, again, just without, without saying, you, you play those guys. So Baltimore's been very susceptible to the pass this season. Their corners haven't been great. So. And we'll finish it off, Monday Night Football. Susceptible is an understatement, yeah, understatement. for the Ravens, bro. Monday Night Football, Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. They are Chiefs 7.5-point home favorites, 51.5 game total here. Josh Jacobs last week finally had a monster breakout game. The Chiefs offense ran all over, or threw all over, rather, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, so the first thing I want to say is that I got a, someone came to me with a trade offer where they, it was a deal that made sense for both teams, and they could choose either Josh Jacobs or Alvin Kamara, and I said to take Josh Jacobs, and the reason being on that, he played 67 of 75 snaps, which is not what we expected from Josh McDaniels. But if that's how Jacob's going to be utilized, you have dude. like he is a super high end RB1 in my opinion. Now, the other reason I said that is that the Saints are one in three. I talked to Drew Davenport, who's a legal expert here. And in his opinion, with this court date being pushed back to November 9th, these Saints could easily on that day 
basically just agree to whatever this guy wants to be paid and then push a suspension through for the end of the year and have six, seven, eight games left. November 9th is when the thing is, and they have games going through January. So they could easily, if they're not going to make the playoffs, push this suspension through. That scares me for Alvin Kamara. Of course, that is rampant speculation. It depends on a lot of things, but just keep that in the back of your mind, that when it matters most, this team might decide to eat a suspension for the player so that he can be ready to go next year. So for me, that's a difference maker between some of these guys like Jacobs, who's playing every snap, versus Kamara, who hasn't really performed. So Jacobs, anywhere you have him, needs to be in your lineup. Go out and trade for him before people realize what's going on. Because I think he still has a bit of stigma that he's only a early down back. He played every snap except except what? Eight? Yeah. And he played 36 pass snaps. Like, you got to get him in your lineup, and you got to get him on your team. For the rest of that offense, we know what it is. Devontae Adams is the man. Darren Waller, I'm starting him anywhere I have him. He's going to be on a bye week next week, so start him this week. And you, know, you can make your speculative ad now for next week. And then if, it, if you find a guy that's better than Waller, great. But good luck with that. And then the rest for Matt Collins depends if Hunter Renfro is playing, right? I like him when Renfro is not playing. Don't like him as much when he is. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then Kansas City, <clears throat> I think, again, maybe the only real development was that Isaiah Pacheco was getting real carries last game. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Sucks. Sucks for fantasy. I mean, or good but, for fantasy if you happen to have him on your team. Of course, yeah, but it's like <laughs> eleven carries is cool, but he only played seventeen snaps. Yeah. They played eighty, right? So like, just where what happened to the Chiefs of old that would just use Priest Holmes until he was hurt, and then they would use Larry Johnson until he was hurt, and then they used Jamal Williams every, I, I mean, know, Jamal let, Charles they, they every let snap. Noah Gray run a touchdown, so like I know, dude. Yeah. Just like, what are we doing? Like, let's. And Jody Fortson caught one. So both t- the both backup tight ends had touchdowns in that game. You forget how good you had it with, with this team where it was like Mahomes. It was like, you, you start Mahomes, you start Tyreek Hill, you start Travis Kelsey. Now it's like you start Mahomes and Kelsey, but then at wide receiver, it's a mess. At running back, it's a mess. It's I mean, you got to start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? With yeah. the number of carries yeah, yeah, he's yeah. getting. You're still going to use them. It's just the Boys. idea that Pacheco is getting those carries has to at least be in your mind. Don't like it. Yep. I don't like it either. So that's it. That's our week five slate here, Coop. Any final thoughts for the people listening at home? No, I mean, like this show, actually one thought that's super important, and we're going to do it next week, is that moving forward from this point on, everything needs to be, all the stats, all the discussions need to be on a per game basis. Because, and I know there's injury, so it's already kind of getting that way. But once you hit the bye weeks, analysis gets a little more jumbled. So after this week, I would really sit down and take a good, hard look at the numbers. This is going to be the last chance you get where you can kind of look at the numbers and in the back of your mind think everyone's played five games because it does start to get mixed up. And no matter how good of an analyst you are or whatever, you can get biases from playing an extra game. And some of these games, as we saw with the Chiefs game, 80 snaps is a lot of snaps. So take a good, hard look at things after week five. Take a good, hard look at your record and then start making plans. So that's my advice to everybody. This, from an analysis standpoint, it does get dicey once you get in the bye weeks. Yep, I agree with you there. So again, remember to check out all the content we have coming out at Fantasy Learn throughout the week for DFS and seasonal content. And then Coop and I, check us out Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., Better Sports Network, bringing you all the latest news, all the latest injury news, obviously going over what's happening in that London game as well, getting you ready for week five of the NFL season. Coop and I will catch you guys next week.